Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It is Q&A Tuesday. We're going to be going over the top five questions of the week. Five questions that I pulled out of my DM box from Instagram that hopefully the answers to can help a whole bunch of you with questions that you're having, struggles that you might be going through, or things that you might be anticipating coming up for your little one with regards to their sleep because we are covering everything from a six-month-old with sleep props to a two-year-old who is potty training and a 10-month-old who needs kind of a different sort of nap schedule than the average 10-month-old might have. And I'm going to share a little bit of a secret schedule for that age that I often use if we're struggling with some transitions at that age with sleep. So let's get started. We've got lots to cover today. First question is this. Hi, Erin. I have your 11 to 18 month sleep guide. My baby is 12 and a half months and I cap the first nap of the day at an hour like you say to in the guide and put him for nap two around two or two thirty and bedtime around 8 p.m. It is taking my 12 and a half month old 20 minutes of babbling, clapping hands, etc. before falling asleep. It is 12 months too early to transition to one nap. Short answer is yes, for most babies, 12 months is a little too early to transition to one nap, but also keep in mind that it is very, very normal for a toddler, which your 12-month-old is now becoming, to take around 20 minutes of babbling and clapping and talking to himself and singing to himself before he will fall asleep. That is the important thing to keep in mind. This is very normal. It doesn't automatically mean that your child needs to go down to one nap a day. Many children do need to drop down to one nap a day around 12 months of age because they go to a daycare that will only accommodate one nap. And I totally understand why daycare providers do this. It's probably really inconvenient to have a bunch of 18 to 24 month olds who only need one nap a day and a couple of 12 month olds who maybe need two naps a day but could get by on just one. So we're just going to put everybody on the same schedule because that is a lot more convenient. But While some 12-month-olds will respond okay to that, others will have a tough time dropping to one nap a day. And this mom who asked this question doesn't sound like she is sending her child to daycare just yet. It doesn't sound like daycare is in the equation and she has the option of keeping him on two naps. She's just wondering if she should be dropping him to one nap because he is taking 20 minutes of babbling and clapping to fall asleep. So my answer to that question would be no, I would not go ahead and drop him to one nap. It sounds like he is thriving on a two nap schedule. He's napping for an hour in the morning. He's napping for an hour and a half in the afternoon. He's going to bed around 8 p.m., which is totally fine for a toddler if they're having two naps a day taking 20 minutes of babbling, clapping, singing, talking to their lovey, whatever your toddler might be doing is really, really normal. There is a lot to process in that beautiful little mind at the end of the day for a toddler. They are going through so much development, both cognitively and physically, that it's normal that it will take them some time to fall asleep for their naps and especially at the end of that big long day for their bedtime. So I would not stress if your toddler is taking around 20 or even 30 minutes of babbling and clapping in order to fall asleep at bedtime. 
Next question is about a six month old. My six month old goes to bed around 7 p.m. and has no issues falling asleep in his crib on his own, but he usually wakes up around 11 p.m. and it's so hard to get him back down. Some nights we offer a bottle, other nights we just put his soother back in and let him cry it out and check in on him every five minutes. How can we get him to either sleep past 11 p.m. or get him back down more easily? Here's the thing. In the beginning of this question, this mom said, my six month old has no problems going to sleep in his crib independently at bedtime. But what I see in this question is that this child doesn't actually go down independently at bedtime. Because what did I see in this question? He has a soother. Now, many parents love a soother, many babies love a soother, and many babies sleep well with a soother. But the other thing that sometimes happens with a soother is that your baby becomes really dependent on it in order to fall asleep. And then it keeps your baby from learning how to just fall asleep fully independently. And if your baby can't fall asleep independently, i.e. without a soother at bedtime, then baby is also probably not going to be able to fall back to sleep independently in the middle of the night when he's in a light stage of sleep and wakes up. So my suggestion to this mom would be that the soother is likely causing some of the issues. The soother might get baby to sleep more easily, but it's keeping him from learning how to fall asleep independently, therefore also keeping him from learning how to fall back to sleep independently. So in this case, if this was a client of mine, I would be recommending that at this point, if the family was comfortable with it, we remove the soother from the sleep situation and we teach baby how to go into the crib without the soother, without any sleep props, and fall asleep independently at bedtime. Because once he can learn to do that, we're also going to start to see him using those same independent sleep skills to fall back to sleep independently when he wakes in the middle of the night. Of course, when you first remove a soother from a child's sleep situation, if it's something he's always been used to, he's likely going to be upset about this change. He is likely going to protest this change. That means he's likely going to cry. Sleep coaching, which is what we're talking about here, removing the sleep props, teaching your baby independent sleep skills, sleep coaching is likely to involve tears. Almost always, sleep coaching is going to involve some level of tears. We have to be honest about that so we're realistic about it. We have to be realistic about it so that we have a plan in place for managing the tears that doesn't just involve leaving your baby alone for huge extended periods of time with no support. This is where my team and I work with families one-on-one to decide with them what the proper sleep coaching approach is going to be for their individual baby. Is it some kind of stay in the room approach where a parent is in the room with the baby the whole time until he's learning to fall asleep without that soother, offering support, offering reassurance. And we talk about what are we going to do while you're sitting in the room? What are we not going to do while you're sitting in there? So that he is learning to fall asleep independently. He is getting support, but we're not using sleep props and we're not being overly stimulating and actually keeping him from falling asleep. Is that even the right approach to sleep coaching for your individual baby? Maybe a better approach for some babies is more of a timed check-in approach. And then we decide on how long are you comfortable waiting for before you go in? What are you going to do when you go in the room? How long are you going to stay in the room? Based on your individual baby, what is he going to respond to best? Are we going to take the same approach for naps as we are for nights? If we're removing the soother, we'll remove it for naps too. Will we take the same sleep coaching approach? 
This is what we work on one-on-one with families, but it's also what I recommend parents decide on on their own if they're doing sleep coaching on their own so that they have a solid step-by-step plan in place before they get started so they have something to be consistent about because it is only with consistency that you're going to see a difference in your baby's sleep once you decide to make that change and teach them those independent sleep skills. That's what's going to get them to start sleeping through the night, going down on their own, taking those nice, long, big chunks of health healthy, restful sleep, because if they do have a light stage of sleep in the night and wake up a little bit, they're going to be able to use their own sleep skills to get themselves back to sleep. Next question is about a 10 month old, and it's that sort of special secret nap schedule that I talked about that I use sometimes at this age. So the question said, hey, Aaron and team, it's me again. So clearly this is a mom who's asked me a question before. So my daughter turned 10 months Saturday. She's cutting three teeth, But for like over a week, she keeps waking at 6 a.m. and today even a little bit before. Then her naps are just off and her last nap, she's waking at like 2.30 p.m. What do I do? All right, quick pause because what is more important to talk about when it comes to sleep than what we actually sleep on? I want to tell you about my very favorite mattress brand, Obison. Whether we're talking mom and dad, kiddo, or baby, Obison is my go-to for comfort when it comes to your family's sleep surface. You wouldn't want your family to sleep on anything less than the very best. And that starts with the best materials in the world. Obison's mattresses are handcrafted in Canada, and their materials are organic, ethically sourced, and chemical-free. Babies' body temperatures tend to fluctuate while they sleep. Obison's mattresses are breathable and moisture-wicking to help regulate babies' temperature levels throughout the night. And comfort knows no age, so Obison's organic 6-inch mattress for kids also features evolving support as your children grow and grow and grow. And when it comes to custom sleep, Obison is all-in. That's why in addition to mattresses, they also offer you five distinct pillows with unique designs and different fillings that serve every sleeping style and meet both your toddler's needs and your own as grown-ups. We want you sleeping great. Use code HAPPYSLEEPADDLE at checkout to get $80 off a queen-sized shredded rubber pillow for mom or dad. Head to obison.com and obison.ca and get great sleep started. So I would say this child's schedule is a little bit off and she's in a little bit of a cycle of early morning wake-ups. If she keeps waking well before 6 a.m. and her naps therefore keep ending really early in the day, the problem is then she has too much awake time before bed at night and too much awake time before bed often leads to early morning wake-ups. And then we're just in a cycle. So here's a little secret that I'm going to share that I sometimes use with children this age to try to sort out their day and push out their day and therefore hopefully push out their morning a little bit. This is only for a child who is around nine or 10 months of age and is experiencing consistently early morning wake-ups that's also then causing their nap day to end too early. I would not use this schedule for a child younger than at least nine months because it involves probably too much awake time for a child who is any younger than nine months. And I also recommend a kind of different schedule for a child who's over about 11, 12 months. And that can be found in our 11 to 18 month sleep guide at thehappysleepcompany.com. But for around the nine, 10 month mark, if you're finding scheduling a little tricky, last nap of the day is ending too early, baby has too much awake time before bed, what you can try is a little bit more of an enforced schedule rather than focusing so much on wake windows, which is what I usually harp to you about. At this age, we might consider a sort of nine and two schedule. If baby's waking up early every day, we push them a little bit and get them to 9am for their first nap. 
We don't put them down at eight o'clock in the morning for their nap just because they woke up at five, five thirty. We distract, distract, distract with lots of activities and we get them to nine. This is how we're going to start balancing out the day a little bit further. We're not just going to pile the naps early in the day and then end up with too much awake time at the end of the day. So we might do the first nap at nine. When that nap is finished, we then do the next nap at two. Even if that nap was only from 9 to 10 or 9 to 10.30, we push baby's wake window all the way to 2 p.m. and that's when we do the next nap. We don't have baby nap from 9 to 10 and then put them down around 1 p.m. because then if their nap is only an hour and they wake up at 2, that's where you're getting into all this awake time at the end of the day. So nap at 9 a.m. no matter what time they woke for the day. Nap at 2 p.m. no matter when they woke from the first nap. And then we don't do bedtime earlier than 6 p.m. But as you can see, if you start to calculate all this or if you're sitting there with a pen and paper sort of sorting out this schedule in front of you, you can see that if we push the second nap to 2 p.m., it's very unlikely that your baby is going to wake up until at least 3 or later. If your baby is 9 or 10 months and they don't wake up from their second nap until at least 3 p.m. or later, then we can get them to at least a 6 p.m. or maybe even later bedtime without them being overtired. So if you put your baby down for a nap at 2 and they nap till say 3.15, 3.30, we can get them to a 6.15, 6.30 bedtime without them being overtired. And if they're going to bed without being overtired, they're more likely to not have an early wake up the next day. This is how we start to sort out those early wake ups at that age for some babies. So it's something you might try if you are around that age with your little one and you're experiencing those issues of that second nap ending too early in the day. The next question is about a 16 week old and a swaddle. My 16 week old has recently been breaking out of her swaddle and sucking on her hands and then fully waking herself. This worries me about future sleep regressions or when she starts rolling and then we're forced to switch her out of the swaddle for safety. Any tips for her waking herself with her hands? So this is a simple answer that I love to offer because it's a really cool product that many parents have a lot of success with. It's called the Love to Dream Swaddle Up. And it is a sort of transitional swaddle where a traditional swaddle wraps around your baby and sort of pins their arms down near their sides. The Love to Dream Swaddle Up actually swaddles your baby's arms up in a more natural sleeping position. They have a little more access to their arms and their hands if they do want to sort of suck on them a little bit, but they're not kind of hitting themselves in the face so vehemently as they would be if they fully got their arms out of a traditional swaddle and were just swinging them all over the place. In the Love to Dream Swaddle Up, their arms remain up in this swaddle function but they can't so quickly swat themselves in the face with that startle reflex or that moro reflex that we talk about in the newborn stage. So you may want to consider that. It's by a company called Love to Dream. It's called the Swaddle Up. And a lot of parents have success with it, especially in that transitional stage between traditional swaddle and when we are finally ready to move to a full sleep sack. The last question I'm going to cover today is about potty training. This is a question I get often and I'm just going to right off the bat caveat all of what I'm about to say with the fact that I am not a potty training expert. I am a sleep expert. So you have to take that into consideration when you hear me out on what I'm about to say with regards to potty training. Because for me, as a sleep consultant, sleep trumps all and we don't push baby into anything that is going to disrupt their sleep if we are not totally sure they're ready. So potty training is a big one for that philosophy. 
So here's the question. We just started potty training our almost two-year-old and we're using a method that suggests we go cold turkey on diapers and pull-ups, cotton undies only day and night, right from day one. My child is an amazing sleeper and I'm really worried about going in and waking her up twice every night like the book says. I'm worried it will become a habit of waking and having me go back to her room multiple times every night. What's your opinion on this? Once again, I'm not a potty training expert. So I'm going to turn to some research. And in general, research suggests that the physical maturity and readiness skills needed for successful daytime toilet learning might happen anywhere between about 18 and even 30 months of age for a child. So let's keep that in mind. For daytime potty training, research suggests that many children will be ready somewhere between 18 and 30 months. That's a pretty big range and it goes all the way up to 30 months. And some will be later. This is on average. However, the research, the same research suggests that it is totally normal for it to take months or even years longer for a child's body to mature enough for reliable nighttime dryness. So break that down. That means that if your two-year-old is ready for daytime potty training, it doesn't necessarily mean that their body is ready to go the night dry. And it could be months or even years after their daytime potty trained before their body is just biologically ready to go the whole night dry. Research suggests that unless your child has been dry during the day for at least six months, it might actually be too soon to expect your child to be able to stay dry at night. So going in and waking your child up at night and taking them to the bathroom to try to get them to go, this research would suggest that that is not necessarily going to help your child start to go through the night dry because their body is just not ready. Nothing is going to help them go through the night dry except their body finally being ready to go through the night nothing is necessarily going to get them ready to go through the night dry other than their body just being ready to go through the night dry. So it may very well be too soon to expect your child to say dry at night just because they seem ready to go with cotton undies during the day. In the day, your child is very cognitively aware of the fact that they need to use the washroom and you are there for them and able to remind them and take them and do that daytime potty training. But many parents choose to continue to use pull-ups at night until they feel that their child is ready. And again, as a research suggests, you might even do daytime potty training, but use pull-ups at night for up to maybe six months or longer until you really see that your child is waking up with a dry pull-up every night and clearly has exhibited the ability to go through the night dry. There are some signs that your child might be ready to try switching to underwear at night, and they include using the bathroom independently during the day without having to be asked if she needs to go, and consistently waking up dry in the morning. So if your child is exhibiting all of that, and if your child's a great sleeper, It's unlikely that her being nighttime potty trained should be an issue for sleep. But again, I'm not really a believer in nighttime potty training. I'm a believer in daytime potty training is a thing and nighttime going dry is just going to happen when your child's body is ready to do that. And if your child's not exhibiting those things we just talked about, then my suggestion would be it's likely in the best interest of her healthy sleep habits to avoid pushing forward with nighttime potty training until you as a parent are certain that she's ready to stay dry all through the night or that she's old enough to independently wake up and use the washroom and be aware that she needs to do that. 
Once again, I am not a potty training expert, but in my experience with toddler sleep issues as they relate to potty training, parents have much more success with both sleep and toilet training when the child's body is truly mature enough for reliable nighttime dryness. So that's how I would answer that question and something to keep in mind if you're getting close to those potty training months. That's a wrap up for today. That's the top five of the week. I hope that was helpful for everyone and I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.